the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He spent over 40 years in and around the restaurant industry. He's been an owner and an operator. He's a member of the Colorado Restaurant Hall of Fame. For over 30 years, his radio shows have been keeping you updated on the ever-changing Colorado restaurant scene, where he invites you to join him, both on the air and for meals at area restaurants. He's Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is the Restaurant Show at Newstalk 710 KNUS. Happy to have you aboard on this gorgeous, gorgeous Saturday, November 11th, Veterans Day. You know what? It's beautiful right now, but do you realize that when the daylight savings time changed last Sunday, we were at India's restaurant having a wonderful buffet, 8921 East Hamden. By the way, I've got some information about their Thanksgiving offering. I'll be talking a little bit about that. I can also take your calls, 303-696-1971. But getting back to daylight saving time, regular Mountain Standard Time, sunset today. Look outside. Look how gorgeous it is. The sun's out there. People are moving around. Maybe you went for a walk or a hike or a bike ride today. Temperatures are going to go up just right up into midweek. Sunset's going to be at 447. (laughs) I don't know about you, but it always takes a week or two to adjust because it gets to be about, I don't know, you know, 447, the sun goes down, um... Maybe you uh, wash your face, brush your teeth, maybe you take a shower, um, have a cold beer, and all of a sudden you're ready to go to have a nice dinner, watch a television show, you're ready to go to bed, and it's about 7.30. So anyway, uh, but that's all right. We'll be with you up until 5 o'clock when we will turn it over to Randy Corcoran. Today is Veterans Day. I've got some numbers from the American Legion for you. In World War II, 11%, 11.2% of all Americans served in the armed forces. During the Vietnam era, 4.3%, 11.2% in World War II. During the Vietnam era, 4.3% of us served. In the last 20 years of war, less than 1% have served. So I think that when you stop to think that about 20 million Americans are veterans, and when we have 300, 325, 350, nobody knows how many people are in this country right now. 
I think it's nice to recognize Americans. I've got my flag flying. My flag flew on the Apache gunship of Lieutenant Nate Pendleton, West Point grad, Lieutenant Nate Pendleton of Heritage High School, son of Al and Lucy Pendleton of Littleton, Colorado. And he sent me that flag after he returned from Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan, and it proudly flies over the Boyle household. All right, 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971. I had a wonderful, wonderful week. I'm going to share it with you here over the next couple hours. If you'd like to give a call, I would love to hear from you. But uh, we're going to talk about everything from a movie, a documentary, to a television series, to a couple books. We're going to talk about a food hall I visited, a couple of franchises that have come into Colorado and seem to do be, be seem to be doing reasonably well. And we're also going to talk about a couple of events I've got coming up on the calendar. So all that, we're going to take a break, get started. Give me a call if you'd like, 303-696-1971. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. For change, I headed south across the border for the pesos and a different horse to ride. Brooks, I'm Mike Boyle. This is the Restaurant Show, 14 minutes after 3 o'clock. Speaking of Veterans Day, and I just gave you the numbers on less than 1% have served since the Cold War, going into the war against terrorism. In Israel, when the Hamas went over into Israel and murdered about a thousand people, a little over a thousand people. Israel said that they were going to respond, and they put out a call for reservists. They needed 320,000 reservists. If you've spent any time in Israel, if you know anything about Israel, everybody is required to serve in the Israeli Defense Force. Uh, It used to be a lifetime commitment. They moved it back to 60. Obviously, you served active duty, and then you went on to a reserve status. Uh, They've since moved it back even more. And I find myself wondering, as I look at the young people of today, the young people of this generation, if America... When you turn 18, you register for the draft. It's called selective service. I find myself wondering how many of this generation would show up for active duty, would volunteer to report. I'm asking it speculatively. I don't have an answer. I don't even have a guess. But... I don't know that the same enthusiasm that the Israelis have for the defense of their country is exhibited in the young people 
here in the United States of America. Any thoughts? 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. I'm not casting aspersions on this generation. I know that people have been critical of the next generation since the beginning of time. And uh, But uh, I just find myself thinking that um, we probably could get a few thousand, tens of thousands, maybe a couple hundred thousand. But I find myself wondering... Um, how uh, how many people would actually turn out. Um, in this hour, since it's the restaurant, travel, movies, books, sports, whatever we feel like talking about show, I am going to speak with an author. He is actually a young man. His name is Max Marshall. He has a new book out, just came out this week, called Among the Bros, B-R-O-S. And uh, it's about fraternity life at a Southern University. It's a true crime story. It's about how some fraternities at this university got so involved in drugs that they were making an awful lot of money. I think it's an interesting story. You know, I've had Ann Rule on with me before. Ann Rule is a former Seattle police officer, went into writing true crime books, and uh, did very well, wrote a lot of them, made a lot of money. She has since passed away. We have had her on this show, but um, I think that you might enjoy the interview with Max Marshall about this book. Speaking of books, I'm reading a book I'm going to share with you. I picked up a book at the Barnes & Noble this week I'm going to share with you. I'll be in studio tomorrow with another show from 10 o'clock until noon. We can take your calls. But coming up this Wednesday, I will be at the View House Restaurant in Centennial. At 1 o'clock, we will have our meeting of the restaurant show book club. The book that we will be talking about is called The Last Green Valley. And uh, it's by a man named Mark Sullivan. It came out in 2021, was tremendously well-received, tremendously popular. Um, It was selected by the members of the book club. And when I say members, people drift in, drift out. If you'd like to join us on Wednesday, we'd love to have you. It's on my website at mikeboyle.com. But he put together a book of stories and turned it into a novel about Russians on the western edge of the Soviet Union, which is now Ukraine, as the Russian troops at the end of World War II were advancing west, trying to meet up with the Allied troops coming east, trying to catch the German troops in this vice, the Ukrainians... We're just trying to stay ahead of the Russian army. They knew that if they were trapped in Russia, things would not go well. They also knew that if they lived a life that had seen the bounty of the West, that they would probably be sent off to gulags. And it talks about the families trying to make this pilgrimage to be rescued by the American troops. And uh, it's a wonderful book, and it takes a family up to Montana after they are able to get into the West, after they are able to migrate to the United States. And not only are we going to speak with Mark Sullivan about that book, 
But my neighbor's parents made that journey. And he and his wife are going to join us. So we have fun at those book clubs. We're going to talk a little bit about books, not only with Max Tower, but a couple of other books as well. Let's do this. Let's go and take a break. I want to talk about a lot of stuff. Then do a few restaurants. Uh, saw a documentary. We'll talk about it all on the restaurant show. Happy to have you aboard News Talk 710 KNUS. Um, we just did a spot for the View House restaurant. I told you I'm going to be there this Wednesday for the book club. Um, I'm starting to get inquiries who's open for Thanksgiving. Well, I don't put a lot of thought into finding out restaurants that are open. The information is certainly out there. But I will tell you this, that as places cross my radar, I am happy to let you know the View House is open on Thanksgiving Day. The View House does a buffet on Easter Sunday. Well, they do one every Sunday. But they do a big expanded buffet on Easter and Mother's Day. And they will be doing that on Thanksgiving Day. I would suggest a reservation because they have a lot of people that they run through there. It's a wonderful, wonderful buffet, carving stations, desserts, plenty of stuff for you to graze on if you want to have some salad or other starches. There's just a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving event at the View House restaurant. I told you that last week, last Sunday, we had one of our restaurant show meal deals at India's Restaurant on East Hamden. I talked to Chris Kapoor, the owner. They will be serving a a special Thanksgiving Eve, that would be Wednesday, and Thanksgiving Day evening buffet. $25.95, an expanded buffet. We had a wonderful buffet lunch last week for only $10, but it's going to be expanded dramatically on Thanksgiving Eve and Thanksgiving evening. So between the View House and the India's restaurant, there are a couple of suggestions for you. I've got a few others that I'll give throughout the course of the show. I want to talk about the documentary that I watched this week. It was called It Ain't Over. And It Ain't Over is the story of Yogi Berra, the Yankees catcher. If you are a fan of baseball, the Yankees, Yogi Berra, you know that... Yogi was famous for these malaprops that he would say. And when you actually think about them, a lot of them really make sense. It ain't over till it's over. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Anyway, it was called It Ain't Over. It's on Netflix, so this is a view that subscribed to Netflix, obviously can enjoy it for free. 
but it talks about he was such an iconic baseball player, and it's narrated by his granddaughter. It starts with the baseball all-star game in Cincinnati in 2015. Yes, I was there. They brought out the five greatest living baseball players. They be in Major League Baseball. Hank Aaron, Johnny Bench, Sandy Colfax. I grew up watching Sandy Colfax. I am a big, big, big. And thank God Clayton Kershaw came along for the Dodgers so I could finally get over Sandy Colfax. But at any rate, I don't even remember the other two. But it was the granddaughter's contention that how can you have the five greatest living baseball players and not include Yogi Berra? His name was Lawrence Berra, by the way, Lawrence Peter Berra. Anyway, talks about his Italian parents migrated from Italy, settled in St. Louis in an area that was full of Italians. They called it Dago Hill or just the hill. And um, he had some brothers, but he liked to play baseball. And it was determined that he probably was the one that had the best shot. So he played through high school and signed a contract with the New York Yankees to play minor league baseball. He was born in 1925. So when he turned 18, it was 1943. For those of you that did not study history in public school, World War II was going on. He told the Yankees they'd have to put it on hold, and he went and enlisted in the Navy. And after his training... He was assigned to ships, amphibious ships, and on June 6, 1944, found himself on a Navy ship right off Omaha Beach for the Normandy invasion. And obviously he did not go ashore that day with the Army Rangers. But the next day, as the Rangers scaled the cliffs and pushed the Germans back, it was his job, along with others, to go onto the beach into the shallows of the lapping waves and collect the bloated bodies of our American servicemen who had been killed in action, load them onto the Navy amphibious vessels, and uh, take them back to the ships, hopefully for a proper burial somewhere back in the United States. And he served with distinction through the end of World War II, and he got out and he went back to the Yankees and became, obviously, a tremendous baseball player. Um, Ten championship rings with the New York Yankees. But I think it's just a great story of America. It just makes you feel good. Married his sweetheart. (laughs) They were together. They were married. She called him Yogi. Um, He used to sit when he was warming up and trying to stretch out with his legs crossed, and somebody said he sits like a yogi. And it stuck with him, and he became Yogi Berra, not Larry Berra, not Lawrence Peter Berra. He became Yogi Berra. And it was really well done. They had children. He had one son who was a tremendous baseball player named Dale Berra and a tremendous shortstop, got into alcohol, got into drugs, and they were a very close-knit 
Italian heritage family. But when this young man could not get organized, he called the family together, and he said to his son, Dale Barra, tomorrow you are either checking into rehab, you are getting clean, you are not going to take any more alcohol or any more drugs, or tomorrow at this time you no longer have a family. You don't have a mother, you don't have a father, you don't have these siblings sitting in this room with you, so make up your mind. And Dale Barrow looked around, went into rehab the next day, and there was a clip of him speaking to an organization 27 years later when he was proud to announce that on that day he had been alcohol and drug-free for 27 years. Hard school, old school the way people used to raise their kids. And anyway, it was a wonderful, wonderful documentary, and I would certainly suggest, say, well, I'm not a baseball. You don't have to be a baseball fan. You're a fan of life. You know what? We watch movies about the FBI, and we don't go to work for the FBI, right? All right. So I think that you might really enjoy it. Something else I did this week was I watched a... um, I watched a television series. It's called Bosch Legacy. And you know, when I sit and think that it's 3.33, in a couple of minutes we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk with Max, Mar- uh, Max Marshall about his book, I think I'll wait a little bit on that. I'm going to wait a little bit on a couple of books that I'm reading, but I'm also going to get back in the next hour. I want to talk about Chicken Salad Chicken Salad Chick. I want to talk about crisp and green, taste of Philly, other events that we have put on the calendar at MikeBoyle.com. Speaking of Veterans Day, did you see that the Air Force, none of our military services are making their recruitment numbers. They are all falling short. I know that we all enjoy our freedoms. I know that every mother out there enjoys her freedoms and understands that the military that we have active and deploy help us retain those freedoms, but they don't want their son or daughter to go. But at any rate, so maybe you've missed it. Did you know that the Air Force has just extended their recruiting age to 42? 42. Now, you cannot fly. I believe the flying cutoff is 33. But I just thought to myself, you know, I remember a story of a police officer that I met a number of years ago who had been a shoe salesman. Maybe I'll pick up the story after we talk with Max Marshall. And when he turned about 28, 29, he looked around, he said, God, there's got to be more to life than selling shoes. I know we have shoe salesmen listening. I know we all need shoes. But he said, there's got to be more to life. I've got to be more of a productive person. I can maybe be a person of service. And he joined the police force. But we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, when we come back, let's talk with Max Marshall about his book, Among the Bros. I'll have a copy of it at the book club meeting this Wednesday if you show up. Maybe you might want to take it home and give it a read. We'll be back with Max on The Restaurant Show.
Hey, everybody, it's Mike, and if you've listened to the show with any regularity, you know I love pizza. America loves pizza, and one of the places I love to go, Joyce's Famous Pizza, 2120 South Broadway, just a little bit south of Evans, owned by Joyce Schaefer since 2008. And you wouldn't call it Joyce's Famous Pizza if they didn't do a great, great job. The pizzas are huge. She's got other dishes as well. It's a small little place. You can dine in. She's got about two or three tables, but they do a lot of takeout. They also do delivery. So what I would do is I'd give Joyce a call at 303-777-4992. That's 303-777-PIZZA. But boy, when it comes to a good pie, she does a wonderful job. She's got some salads, some sandwiches, a couple of pasta dishes as well. But stop by Joyce's 2120 South Broadway and tell her you heard about it from Mike Boyle on The Restaurant Show. Hey, have you tried the new product from Pepsi? It's called Starry, and it's the new lemon-lime drink recently introduced. It's good, very good, and just one more in a long line of Pepsi products that includes Pepsi, Pepsi Diet, Mountain Dew, Mug Root Beer, and Mike's favorite, Pepsi Zero. Starry is just a little bit sweeter, but every bit as refreshing as its predecessor, Sierra Mist. And remember, Pepsi also offers refreshing waters, Rockstar Energy Drink, Muscle Milk, Lipton Tea, and Gatorade. So whatever the occasion... Make sure you have plenty of Pepsi beverages around the house. Pepsi also puts out Lay's potato chips, Ruffles, Fritos, Sun Chips, Doritos tortilla chips, and another of Mike's favorites, jalapeno cheese-flavored Cheetos. Good luck trying to eat just one. If that isn't enough to make you rush out and load up on Pepsi products, remember that Pepsi is very supportive of community events and hires veterans with over 100 of them working for Pepsi throughout Colorado. Proud to have Pepsi involved in the restaurant shows. Welcome back to the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show, where we talk about restaurants, travel, movies, books, sports, or whatever I feel like talking about. We're going to talk about a book, Among the Bros, a fraternity crime story. I've got Max Marshall. He is the author on the air. This book appealed to me because we've had who is probably the queen of mystery, true crime, uh, Anne Rule. Anne has since passed away, but I've had Anne on a number of times. She would write about stories that she found. And you know what? I'm a believer that truth generally is stranger than fiction. Let's see what he has to say about that. Max Marshall, welcome to the show. I appreciate you joining me. Great to be here. Thanks so much. All right, so where did the idea... You know what? I have to tell you something. Uh, uh, We are a different generation. And um, I got a kick out of the fact that uh, 80% of all people in politics, 80% of all lawyers, if I recall the statistics somewhat after reading the book, were in a fraternity. And when I was going to college, listen, let me tell you something. We didn't have to be forced to drink, but we didn't have to do it at the at the demand of somebody else. You know what I'm talking about. When I, when I was in college, fraternities were kind of the geeks. And, Definitely. And, and is it still that way? Has it changed? Is it, are these people that aspire to be politicians? Are they people that aspire to be lawyers? Talk a little bit. I'm getting a little far afield here. But talk about what the book is about, and then we can answer some of those questions. Definitely. So, yeah, the first question, just what the book's about. 
Um, when I was in college from 2012 to 2016, I saw kind of an incredible amount of Xanax flying around. And Xanax, obviously, it's designed as an anti-anxiety tranquilizer, but I was seeing it sort of as a party drug. People were mixing it with all sorts of drugs, but most of the time they're mixing it with alcohol, you know, like seven or eight Keystone Lights and a, a bar of Xanax, and you black out. You stop taking in memories. Mm -hmm. And I started asking where this Xanax came from, because it wasn't coming from Pfizer. This was all sort of fake Xanax that um, somebody was making with pill presses. So I started doing some research, and basically I found this drug ring at the College of Charleston that was bringing in Xanax via the dark web from China, pressing pills in these sort of beach houses, and then shipping out hundreds of thousands of pills a month, often through the fraternity system, and ultimately, a student got murdered who was part of this sort of crime group, and many students died of, of overdoses, and ultimately, these, these kids got caught with millions of Xanax pills. So it's the, the biggest college drug ring ever discovered in America, um, and it was all running through the fraternity system. And to answer your second question about sort of, uh, or, or, sorry, go on. Well, and you know, you know, like I said, going back to when I was in college, college was supposed to be a time of fun. It was supposed to be yeah. a time of enjoyment. Yes, you were there with a purpose. Yes, you were there in my era to get an education, to maybe acquire a skill, maybe some were there to avoid the Vietnam War. But yeah. the point was is that you were there and you just really didn't think about going off to college to die of a drug overdose. Um, Absolutely. You know, maybe somebody was, maybe one of those real renegades was uh, blowing a little boo. Maybe they were smoking a little dope. But mostly, it was a beer culture. And yeah. I found the book fascinating in the sense my daughter went off to college in 2007, graduated okay. in 2011, a very unusual four-year plan. That's the way we do it in the Boyle household. Um, <laughs> and uh, then went on to grad school for two years and got that done in two years. But she was also a college athlete. So okay. they were in a different realm in college. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. they partied a little bit after a big win in the swim meet, but it wasn't anything like, is this prevalent in college all these drugs and uh all of these uh yeah we, all of these drugs that that's what i found kind of fascinating about it you know poor parents have to be concerned about sending their kids off to middle school now and high school and college definitely. i suppose definitely so i mean i think this touches on both the first question you asked and then the question you just asked so you know like you said during the Vietnam War on college campuses, college, fraternity guys were kind of known as like the snooty, geeky, cardigan-wearing, khaki-wearing. Yeah, button-down shirt, yeah, the button plaid shirt. shirt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and in the, by the end of the 60s, fraternity membership had an all-time low. Because it just it couldn't fit into the counterculture, and it just seemed square. It did. But in the 70s, Animal House really rebranded the fraternity as something that was both for the elite, but also breaking the rules. So, you know, you have them like hitting golf balls and ROTC drills or 
sleeping with the dean's wife or smoking weed. And it was sort of this idea of like, oh, no, no, we're not the boring cardigan what, guys. One of, the, one of the great, yeah, the cardigan sweaters, those ugly cardigans. Where did they yeah. go? Jimmy Carter, where are all those cardigan sweaters? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, yeah. and I'll tell you this, one of the greatest lines in movie history, though, is when Belushi can't decide whether or not to go into the party and his girlfriend says, she says, he says, what will I tell the guys on Monday? And he says, tell them you weren't sick enough to attend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible movie, and it very effectively rebranded fraternities as, like, these aren't the boring guys who sing, you know, hymns while locking arms. Yeah. This is the craziest party on campus. And I think that brand or that rebrand for fraternities has continued today where now, I, you know, when I started reporting the book, something that the, the website Total Frat Move, which was a big website sort of in the, the 2010s for fraternity kids, their slogan for a while was fraternity life today makes Animal House look like a Pixar movie. So even that idea of the sort of the crazy like parties of Belushi, et cetera, like things have really sort of uh, industrialized and ramped up since then. You know, you, so, know, yeah. you know, and it's funny, Max, talking to Max uh, Marshall, author of Among the Bros, a fraternity crime story, true crime story, by the way. You know, I just remember back the fraternity parties back when I was in college, you know, uh, everybody was so prim and proper, and the music yeah. playing was the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Well, <laughs> if you wanted to rock on, you went to Mike Boyle's party because we're going to play the Stones. Let's spend the night together. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was just a little bit different. So uh, it was amazing to me, though, how many of the kids in the book that you wrote, many of them were willing to participate and yet others looked at it like this is a bridge too far. I don't think I want to be hanging with those guys. I don't think I want to be doing what they were doing. I definitely got that. In, in other words, I don't think it is rampant on college campuses, although you tell me. So, I mean, yeah, it's all about the bubble you're in, of course. But, like, <laughs> I think in Greek life has always been a separate campus for kids from a very specific background. And I think specifically once kids learn to, like, you know, tap into their inner Mike Boyle and, and have crazier, more fun parties, like, a lot of people do want to join this sort of Greek life bubble. But there are obviously so many kids who aren't a part of it and who never see these parties, who never see these drugs. But uh, thousands of kids every year are part of it. And, yeah, I mean, I think the, like, there's just so much money in it now that, like, these parties are, are pretty unbelievable talk to tell tell the listeners about these guys uh that were in a couple of these fraternities just touch a little bit on mikey schmidt and uh a few of his but a few of his bros yeah so mikey schmidt's the main character in the book he's from the suburbs of atlanta showed up to college of charleston in 2013 he had just finished a seven inch growth spurt his he did he didn't hit puberty till senior year of high school and so, you know, he had to try to play basketball and date while his voice was as high as the girls in school. And obviously that put a chip on his shoulder. At the same time, he developed this kind of incredible confidence and swagger. And by the time he showed up to College of Charleston, he had a pretty successful weed dealing business and certainly uh, a successful fake ID business, which, you know, since the drinking age has been moved up from 18 to 21, anyone who wants to have fun in colleges 
Like you often need a fake ID. L- so, listen, listen, I got to tell you something, folks, for friends listening, people out there enjoying my show. I don't know anybody that didn't have one. Uh, but, yeah. but anyway, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, exactly. And same here. And so you can imagine if you show up to college with a business selling fake IDs, a lot of people are going to want to be your friend. <laughs> yeah. And so pretty quickly, he, he joins Cap Alpha Order, which is this very southern fraternity at College of Charleston, has too much fun his senior year, gets kicked out of school or drops out of school and starts working as a valet guy at the Tongue and Groove, which is this big nightclub in Atlanta that a lot of rappers go to and a lot of sort of country club people, all sorts of Atlanta sort of nightlife figures. And he starts dropping little goodie bags of drugs in people's cup holders. And then, you know, a few years later, he's a central part of this drug ring that's bringing in cocaine from Mexico via Atlanta, uh, Xanax powder from China via the dark web, uh, marijuana from dozens of sources, and it's funneling it through fraternity houses all over the deep south. Well, and let me tell you something, listeners. I enjoyed the book Among the Bros, a fraternity crime story. Uh, if you happen to be joining me at my next restaurant show book club get together, I will have a copy of it there for somebody that might want to go ahead and read it. If you want to find it, I'm sure you can. But I'll tell you this, 80% of Fortune 500 executives, 85% of Supreme Court justices, and all but four presidents since 1825 have been fraternity members. And to which I would sarcastically say maybe that is what's wrong with our system. Um, <laughs> hey, Max, listen, I know you got another interview coming up, but it's called Among the Bros, a Fraternity Crime Story. And by the way, for Mikey Schmidt, he's doing 10 plus in a federal pen. So it does not have a happy ending for Mikey, but uh, it was an interesting read. Max, thanks an awful lot for your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. All right, we're going to take a break on the rest of the show. I've cussed on a Sunday I've cheated and I've lied I've fallen down from grace A few too many times But I find holy redemption When I put Marin Morris, my church. Yes, indeedy. I love that song. All right, we just did a spot for India's talking about the lunch buffet. We had a wonderful day last Sunday, and don't forget they serve that lunch buffet during the week. All right, I want to thank Max Marshall for joining me talking about his book. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it, it read kind of like a novel, but uh, you know what? I, I Even growing up in the 60s, the drug culture being around, I never got it. I never understood it. I just have always been a little bit high on life. And uh, But um, you know what? I thought it was a pretty interesting book, so I'll have it at the book club with me this Wednesday. Um, Air Force recruiting, before we went to that interview, I told you that they are taking recruits up to 42 years old. You can't fly. But, you know, I was thinking about a cop that I knew at the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. He had been, he'd gotten out of school, and he became a shoe salesman, manager of a shoe store. And he looked around, and he said, there's got to be more to life than this. So he joined the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, um, 
obviously would probably be retired now, probably have a nice check. And I thought to myself, you know what? So maybe you got out of high school. Maybe you got out of college. Maybe you went to trade school. Uh, you've done a job for 10, 15, 20 years. Maybe you've enjoyed it. Maybe not so much. Maybe you got a little bit of time in and get a little bit of a pension. But, you know, you're 42, 41, 40, 36, 35. And you say, you know what? I think I might like to join the Air Force. And uh, three hots and a cot, as they tell you. That means three hot meals and a bed. Um <laughs> Maybe not if you're in the infantry, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I just thought I would pass it along. I actually called an Army recruiter, not to join up, not to take a blast. I've already done my time. But I had read where they were looking for some people to fill in in non-combat roles. They didn't want you to be an infantryman. They didn't want you to be an artillery guy. They didn't want you to drive a tank. But... I thought, you know what, I wanted to find out about this. So I called the recruiting office in Lone Tree and talked to an SFC, Sergeant First Class E7, and uh, he said they're looking at the same thing. They're looking at whether or not to extend it or even take people older than 42 to do some of the clerical and whether or not you would actually join the Army or whether you would be a government service, a GS, you'd have a GS level, four, five, six, seven, ten, whatever it would be, and uh, you would perform these uh, duties to take a little, uh, a little bit of pressure off some of the people in the service that are in more administrative capacities. I thought it was kind of interesting. Anyway, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And if you decide to uh, go take an enlistment tour, uh, God bless you. They'll probably give you a nice enlistment bonus, whatever the military branch is, and uh, I'll let you just decide on that. Um, this week, I talked to Martin Garvey at Philly Cheesesteak, Taste of Phillies, and uh, we're going to do an event with him in December. Um, you know, I just I like doing business with Martin. He's a good guy. He always puts out good sandwiches. He always gives us a good deal. He likes working with the show. And he says, we're going to do it on Sunday, December 10th at the Parker store, which is now open on Sundays. He said, uh, I said, can we do the original? And he said, sure. But he said, we're also going to do a special on the Italian hot roast pork thinly sliced Italian roast pork with imported sharp provolone cheese cooked spinach and imported Italian long hot peppers it's a $13 value we're going to do it for 6 bucks. it's on my website at mikeboyle.com so I stopped off I said well what the hey after talking to him he made it sound so good I stopped off and gave it a try and I know there are a lot of you out there listening that like Taste of Philly. You stop off and you get a sandwich a couple times a month, maybe periodically. And a lot of you get a Reuben. They've got a great Reuben. Anyway, so I thought that I'd tell you that uh, we've got that scheduled for December 10th. Um, of course, next week I'm going to be at Garden of the Gods Trading Post in Manitou Springs. We're going to tell you a little bit about that in the second hour. Thanksgiving is coming up. I've already told you about the View House in India's. Black Eyed Pea is great. That's where I'm going to probably go for Thanksgiving because I'm a bachelor. And, boy, I can get that nice smoked turkey and some ham and some 
stuffing and some mashed potatoes and gravy. Anyway, an hour in the books. If you'd like to give me a call, love to hear from you. 303-696-1971. But let's take a break for news and come back with another hour of The Restaurant Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 